Welcome to By the Fire. I'm your host, Dave Smale, and this is Captured. Chapter 15. Panic on the Flight Deck. The flight schedule was jam-packed as usual. The flying missions, or sorties, began just after 7 a.m. and would continue until just after 10 p.m., with a break in the action from 5 to 6 p.m. Today was not only mission flying. Training missions were sandwiched in to the schedule. Aviators practiced takeoffs and landings. Ground crews practiced taxiing and stacking the planes, parking them in organized rows. Raoul was still in training and thus was required to be shadowed by a qualified yellow shirt. Today, the yellow shirt shadowing him was none other than his supervisor, Collins. Knowing today would be Raoul's final day as a trainee, Collins set himself up to have the honor of giving Raoul his final sign-offs. At just after 10 a.m. during a busy part of the morning, in which they were moving all the aircraft from the front of the ship to the rear, referred to as unpacking the bow, Collins tapped Raoul on the shoulder and pointed to an F-A-18 Super Hornet rolling their way. Raoul examined it for a moment. It didn't look any different from the dozens of others taxiing about the deck. Raoul looked back at Collins and gave him the backwards head tilt, the universal sign for, What's up? Collins cupped his hands over the earmuff on Raoul's flight deck helmet, also called a cranial. See that one? He yelled gesturing at the approaching jet. That's the skipper! Our skipper! Raoul yelled back. Collins didn't regard Raoul's question as a stupid one. There were many skippers on board. The COs of each air wing squadron, also called skippers, often flew their squadron's airplanes. Yeah! So let's make you look real good! Collins replied. Roger that! Aircraft carrier commanding officers are also required to be pilots or naval flight officers. The CO of the Eisenhower was the former. To maintain his certification as a pilot, he had to keep a minimal number of flight hours, takeoffs, and landings on the books. The likelihood that Raoul would be the one to handle his plane was slim to none. He swelled with pride. It was both a great honor and completely nerve-wracking. The yellow shirt taxiing the skipper's plane looked over his shoulder to see whether Raoul was ready. Raoul raised his left arm like a wide receiver, signaling a quarterback that he was open for a pass. The other yellow shirt tapped his helmet with both hands and extended his arms toward Raoul and Collins. The customary signal for, I'm passing you to the next guy. A snappy hand salute later, the yellow shirt was off to taxi the next ready aircraft. Raoul immediately took control, performing his taxiing signals flawlessly. The CO rolled toward him and Collins slowly and methodically. When the plane got close enough, Raoul would look over his shoulder, make sure the next yellow shirt was ready, and pass the skipper's plane over to him or her. Just ten more feet and he'd be done. The skipper's plane suddenly stopped, unprompted. Confused, Raoul continued the taxiing motion. He could barely see the man through the glare of the cockpit canopy. 
Raoul squinted, finally making out the skipper was yelling into his radio helmet mouthpiece while craning his neck toward the ship's stern. Raoul continued the taxi signal. Collins had not told him to stop, so he was doing the right thing. The skipper glanced back at Raoul and abruptly presented a closed fist, letting him know that he'd meant to stop the plane. Raoul gave the skipper a thumbs up and ceased the taxiing signal. Man all recovery stations! Man all recovery stations! came the frantic voice of the head air traffic controller, the air boss, over the flight deck's announcing systems. Recovery stations, Raoul thought. We're about to land planes? We ain't even done launching them yet. Raoul looked aft toward the rear of the ship and saw an aircraft on approach. He couldn't tell what kind of plane it was, but right away he knew something was very wrong. Clear the landing area! The air boss yelled as the flight deck personnel scurried about, trying to follow his order. Raoul and Collins were only inches from the edge of the landing area's painted barrier. In theory, they were safe. Collins tapped him on the shoulder and hollered in his earmuff, Stay put! I'll be right back! Raoul nodded as Collins walked 15 feet away to two blue shirts that were lounging on a tow tractor nearby. Raoul recognized one of them, Smitty. Even through his tinted goggles, Raoul could tell Smitty was glaring at him. Raoul kept his eyes on the skipper's plane, but checked over his shoulder every few seconds as the approaching aircraft seemed to inch closer, though he knew it was traveling at over 150 miles an hour. In his peripheral, Raoul saw the crash and salvage crew mobilizing. From his perspective, he couldn't tell what was wrong with the approaching plane, but it was obviously serious enough to warrant an emergency landing. In his relatively short time working the flight deck, Raoul had witnessed hundreds of landings. He could tell when a plane was coming in too high or too low. The plane, which he could now see was an FAA-18C, the older model Hornet, not a Super Hornet, was too high. Way too high. It would surely bolter, which meant miss all the arresting gear wires and be forced to circle the ship and try for another landing. As the plane neared the edge of the flight deck, it seemed to drop like a brick. It slammed into the landing area, sending a shock wave, which Raoul felt in the steel under his feet over a hundred yards away. It felt like an earthquake. The plane's tailhook somehow caught one of the arresting gear wires, but most of its right side landing gear, including the tire, sheared off. The jet's right wing dropped. Sparks shot out as it skidded on a fuel tank. Hydraulic lines from the sheared landing gear sprayed red hydraulic fluid as if its cardioid artery had been cut. The sparks mixed with the hydraulic fluid and ignited in a burst of flame which shot out from behind the plane. The lopsided jet came to a halt as the arresting gear wire did its job. Though the aircraft had stopped, the six-foot piece of sheared landing gear careened right towards Collins. Collins, still talking to Smitty in the other blue shirt, had his back turned as the mass of steel and hard rubber barreled unimpeded toward him at close to a hundred miles an hour. In seconds, it would meet with Collins' body and either permanently disable or kill him. In a flash, Raoul took off sprinting toward Collins. 
Smitty and the other blue shirts saw the landing gear coming, jumped off the tow tractor and darted away. Collins watched confusedly as they bolted, neither of them giving any indication that death was headed his way. And, though Raoul was running at top speed, the landing gear was closing in on Collins much faster than he was. The heavy mass, only a few feet away from Collins, who still didn't see it coming, Raoul lowered his shoulder, extended his arms, and lunged. All Collins felt was something strike his lower back. He was vaguely aware of the crash landing alarm sounding through the loudspeaker. His head and torso snapped backwards and then forwards before he realized that he was being propelled by something. His arms and legs failed to catch him as he landed face first on the flight deck's rough surface. Something was on top of him. Or someone. Raoul got to his feet and reached under Colin's shoulders, hoisting him off the deck. A dazed Collins finally turned around to see what had happened. The crash and salvage team smothered the aircraft with foamy firefighting solution, known as AFFF. What the... Collins began but stopped when he felt the warm blood trickling down his face. What'd you tackle me for, Diaz? Hey, it was either me or that. Raoul pointed to the sheared landing gear, which had skidded behind the skipper's jet and come to a stop when it struck the scupper, the steel bumper at the edge of the flight deck. Collins stared at it, dumbfounded. He looked back at Raoul, then at the landing gear, then Raoul again. Hey, come on, Raoul said, motioning for them to retake their position at the front of the skipper's plane. The skipper was already calling for the plane's maintenance crew so he could shut down the engines and tend to the events that had just taken place on his ship. There'd be no takeoffs or landings from this flight deck for a while, not with the crash and salvage crew handling a downed F-18 in the landing area. After turning the skipper's plane back over to squadron's maintainers, Raoul and Collins found Chief Hask wandering around the flight deck. What the heck happened to you? Chief Hask asked. Collins started to explain, but Hask didn't seem interested. Look, tell me later. Just get to medical, okay? Those cuts look pretty bad, Hask said. Raoul and Collins walked toward the exit, watching the crash and salvage team extract the pilot from the downed F-18 and chatting about what had just happened. Yo, man, Collins said. I played some ball in high school. I took some hits from some pretty big dudes, but I ain't never got tackled like that, man. That was real. Yeah, I forgot to tell you I was a linebacker for the Raiders, Raoul joked. They shared a laugh, then Collins noticed Raoul was limping. You all right, man? Collins asked. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got hit in the foot. I guess I'm just starting to feel it. Collins looked at Raoul in astonishment. Whoa, it hit you? That thing hit you? Just real quick. It's no big deal. I'll be fine. Man, you best come to medical with me. You might have a broken ankle, said Collins. Raoul thought about it for a moment, then agreed. He told Collins he'd let Chief Hask know and join him in medical shortly. Collins nodded and headed toward one of the flight deck's many exits. 
Raoul turned and stopped, surprised by who was standing right in front of him. You, Herman Diaz? Raoul snapped to attention in front of the skipper. Yes, sir. You can stand at ease. It's all right. Raoul relaxed. The skipper, whose name was Captain Yancey, examined Raoul proudly. Just wanted to tell you that what you did was remarkable. I saw how you saved your shipmate back there. Uh, thank you, sir. No, thank you, son. You just saved another man's life. That took a whole lot of courage and bravery. Raoul thought it would be awkward to thank the skipper again, so he just nodded. Handy, Sumble, the skipper added, smiling. Uh, looked like you were hit, were you? Oh, uh, yes, sir. Uh, just on the foot. I think I'll be okay. Don't chance it. Please go to medical right now. You need a stretcher? Uh, no, no, sir. I was already going to medical. Just going to go let my chief know. Don't worry about that. Where is he? I'll tell him. Raoul pointed at Chief Hask. The skipper nodded, then extended his hand for a shake. I wish I had a whole ship full of guys like you, Herman Diaz. Raoul nodded again, before turning and limping down the ladder wells toward medical. As he went, he thanked God that no one else had been hurt. He couldn't help but think about what the CO had just said to him. I wish I had a whole ship full of guys like you. If only the man knew of Raoul's sordid past, he may have revised that statement. From behind a parked aircraft, a devious scowl crossed Smitty's face. You've been listening to By the Fire, and I really hope you enjoyed what you heard. Why don't you let me know, one way or the other? Leave me a review on Apple or on Podchaser. Or you can send me an email, info at davesmail.com. Also, if you go to my website and sign up for my newsletter, you'll get a free novella, Safe House. I'll be back next week with another chapter of Captured. So until then, thanks again and God bless. This is a work of fiction. Names, characters, businesses, places, events, and incidents are either the products of the author's imagination or used in a fictitious manner. Any resemblance to actual persons, living or dead, or actual events is purely coincidental.